You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, if you would turn your Bible this evening to the book of Romans, chapter number 12, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm really excited. I am excited to present an absolutely life-changing message to your hearts this evening. Grasping the principles that's presented in God's Word will bring about success and power in your life. I I know I'm not where I want to be for Christ, and I haven't done all that I want to do for the Lord, but I'll tell you that I wouldn't be uh, where I'm at today had it not been for the power and the truth of these verses that made such a difference in my life many years ago, but is still making a difference in my life today here in Romans chapter number 12. One of the things I can say without any apology or any hesitation tonight is that God made you for a purpose. You were created for a purpose. He has a plan for your life. He has a good plan, a great plan. Yea, He has a glorious plan for your life and a glorious purpose for your life. But we must first learn to trust and surrender to His will and to His wisdom. And uh, and so with that in mind, let's read these verses. And i got a number of verses I want to share with you this evening. And I'll just share with you my heart tonight. Uh, It's a different type of outline if you want to call it that. But I just want to give you my heart and some things that are making a difference in my life. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore. Now, as many of you Bible students know, when you come across the word therefore, you always want to find out what? What it's there for, right? And so that therefore really reflects on the, on, on the entirety of the book of Romans up to this point. We've already learned about uh, that the whole world is condemned. And we've already heard, uh, learned about Christ dying for all men and, and that uh, whosoever will. We've learned that, that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, uh, so we've come to Christ and he's beseeching us as brethren. So he's talking to people who are saved. He's talking to people that have given their hearts to the Lord. And, and I hope... He, tonight that you're here and that you know the Lord. And if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know for sure that you're saved, I want to tell you tonight would be a great night to meet the Lord. Amen? Tonight would be, because I can promise you one thing, when I talk about a plan and purpose for your life, I can promise you that if you're here that it is God's will for you to be saved. Amen? I'm glad I'm not with that crowd that says they have to figure it out. Amen? I'm glad it's a whosoever will gospel, aren't you? And, uh, and so uh, it, it's, it's God's will for you to be saved tonight. But not only is it God's will for you to be saved, it's God's will for you to be surrendered. It's God's will for you to have the abundant Christian life. See, jo- Jesus said in John chapter number 10, verse number 10, he says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. Hallelujah. Life. Life in Christ, being born again, knowing what it is. But you know what? He didn't stop there. He said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, it's not only God's will for you to be saved, it's God's will for you to live the abundant, victorious Christian life. 
That's his will. He's got a promised land for you, so to speak, amen? I mean, he's got riches. He's got inheritance uh, in, spiritually speaking, for each of us that we need to lay hold on. But in order to do that, we, we need to understand the rest of these verses. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Surrender your bodies a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So I just want to share a few features with you out of these two verses this evening and, and, and share some other verses out of the New Testament that I hope will be an encouragement to you. A couple things we see. Number one, we see the, the, him addressing our reasonable service. It's a reasonable thing for God to ask us to be willing to surrender and give our all to the Lord. And as a matter of fact, I think you could change the pronunciation of where the Bible says to present your bodies. I think you could change the pronunciation there to present your bodies. Amen? Anybody get give or get any presents for Christmas? You know what, what God wants for you? He wants you to present your body to him. Amen? Present your life and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I love the third verse of at the cross. It says, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Now, did you know there's, a, there's about everything in my life that God could take from me today and take from you? But there's one thing God will not take from you. You know what that is? Your will. Your will. The only way God will ever have your will is if you give it to him. That's why it says, here, Lord, I give myself away. Because God is not going to force himself upon you. And so it's our reasonable service, he says, to present our bodies, our tra transforming of the mind, proving what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. See, for many of us, we, uh, we, 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 before we trusted Christ, we used our body for sinful pleasures and purposes. But now that we belong to him, we want to use our body for his glory. And let me tell you something tonight. That's what the battle's over. The battle, as we're going to see here in just a moment, is in the mind, 100%. But the battle is for the body, for what we will do actively. See, the devil doesn't want us to be used of God. The world doesn't want us to be used of God. But God wants to use our hands, our feet, our eyes, our, our tongues. He wants to use all that for his glory and his honor. The Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Ghost of God because he dwells within us. But tonight, I feel like to, in order to understand verse 2, or verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies, the reason and the way that we're going to be able to do that is by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we're going to present ourselves to him effectively, we're going to have to win the battle of the mind. I submit to you this evening that the battlefield of life is in the corridors of our minds. Socially as well as spiritually, there are, uh, there's numerous consequences in our education in America moving away from its biblical foundations. Not the least of which is the philosophy that's teaching people, do you know today our young people are being taught what to think? 
They're being taught what to think. But did you know that's not the way our education system was founded? This education system was founded to teach people to think. To think. Not what to think, but teaching them how to think for themselves. See, many people go through this life with troubled minds and no peace. But there is a prescription from the great physician that's found in God's Word. There's help for you and I in this battle. I've got good news for you this evening. There are reinforcements. There is renewal. We can win the battle of the mind this evening. We can live the victorious Christian life. You may feel like you have failed. You may feel like that there's things in your past, maybe things in your present that, that make it to where you're a failure and you, and you can't succeed and, and, and maybe this victorious Christian life is not for you. But I'm telling you, it is for you tonight. You can win the victory. You can win the battles of life. But we first must win the battle of the mind. Every temptation that we face must first go through our minds. Somebody says, well, man, I feel, like I've got, I feel like the temptation and the battle that I'm facing is related to my body. Well, you may be having issues physically, but where is it going to have to process through how you deal with it? In your mind. And I challenge you because I'm not going to be able to give it all to you this evening. Go to your concordance and look up mind in the New Testament. And begin to look at all the verses. I'm going to share a number of those with you tonight. But you'll see uh, that what I'm saying is so. If we could only recognize tonight the avenue of Satan's attacks. Of the enemy's attacks. And I think about the word avenue. It's an interesting word, isn't it? The word avenue originally meant approach. We call streets avenues, a route that is taken so often that it's paved, named, and designated for the purpose of travel. So when we talk about the avenues that the devil uses, do you not realize they're that way also? They are used, they have been used so often, they are marked, they are paved, I mean they are designated. In other words, Satan's playbook really doesn't change very much. He comes making us question God. He comes appealing to our pride. He comes just like he did with Eve. He approaches us today. And we need to be able to recognize it. There's victory in the mind. Now, think about this. The, the dividing line between surrender and service, between success and slackness, is hinged on whether or not we are renewing our minds. I believe this evening that our public failures are the direct result of a failure that first took place in the mind over a period of days, weeks, or even years. The pathway to victory is learning scripturally how to get a grasp on our thoughts for the glory and honor of God. You can be victorious. Now, I want to share this one verse with you uh, just right away. And again, I'll share a number uh, with you here before we're done in uh, a little bit. But in Philippians chapter 4, I love these verses. Again, these are connected with some verses that have changed my life. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. You know what that means? Don't worry about anything. How are you in the worry department this evening? Any worriers here uh, this evening? I didn't think so. Amen. Uh, but there may be some worriers. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, notice what it says, the peace of God. If you're saved tonight, you have peace with God. But not everyone that's saved has the peace of God. But it says, if we will learn to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, which talks about adoration, praise, recognizing the greatness of God, we are too apt to recognize the greatness of our problems, the greatness of our inabilities and so forth, uh, the greatness of the, the, the circumstances. In other words, we get the same grasshopper complex that the children of Israel got and says, oh, there's giants that we can't face. Amen? And it's not about how big those giants are. It's about how big our God is. And that's what he's talking about there when it talks about praying. Everything by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. The Bible says if we learn that, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep. Shall keep. We're living in the day and age to where I wouldn't be surprised tonight if we have some keepers here at Eastside Baptist Church. To keep means to guard. To, get, to keep means to stand watch. It's like a sentry standing guard at the gate. How would you like the peace of God standing guard at your mind? What's it say there? And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So he's telling us here, we have to learn to think right. We have to learn to control our minds. See, he talks about the word. What's he say there? That you may be transformed. How will we be transformed? He's talking here to people that are already saved, already had their sins forgiven. We're already new creatures in Christ. But he's saying, you need to submit to Christ. You need to have, you, you need to be transformed. And the way you're going to be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, I like that word transformed. We get our word metamorphosis from the Greek word that's used for transform, metamorphosis. This word is used in Matthew 17 verse 2 when the Bible says, and, and he was transfigured. He was transfigured, same word, before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment as white as light. What is that? It's metamorphosis. It's a change. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says, But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are changed into the same image, the image of Christ. How? By the Spirit of God. By the transforming of our, uh, of our, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Like a caterpillar when we think of metamorphosis. The caterpillar, the change is so remarkable that it cannot be recognized, can it? I mean, it's totally different. It is not what it used to be. It's different. It's changed. It's metamorphosized. A tadpole is metamorphosized into a toad. It is the change that the Holy Spirit wishes to work in the lives of believers. But he must have control of the body and he must have free access to the mind. 
transformed, changing the outside by what's on the inside. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Christ for service and caused his glory to be manifested outwardly dwells in us. And and to be transformed, to be what God would have us to be, he wants that glory to be shining on the outside of us. That which he has worked in, he wants us to work out. That's what it means to be Christ-like. See, this world tries to change our mind. So it exerts pressure from without. By the way, Google tries to change your mind. Amen. You ever studied that? Interesting thing how they control what comes up when you start typing things in and so forth. But I would say that's another story, but it's not another story whatsoever. It's right in the same story. The world tries to change our minds. So it exerts pressure from without. The Holy Spirit changes our minds by releasing power from within. If the world controls your thinking, you're a conformer. But if God controls your thinking, you're a transformer. Amen. And how many of you nerds just heard the transformer, you know, changing into a robot, all right? Um, But listen, transformed, you're a transformer. The heart was transformed at the time of conversion, (laughs) uh, or I'm sorry, at the time of salvation, when, when the spiritual birth took place in the past. However, the renewal of the mind is progressive. It transformed the believer from the inside out. It is a working out through the life what has taken place already in the heart. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says it this way. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't ever let those verses scare you. I know there's people in here tonight that have had people approach you and say, see, the Bible says you've got to work out your own salvation. You've got to, you've got to work for your salvation. Well, you just changed it on me, Amen. It didn't say you've got to work for your salvation. It says you've got to work out, out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you know the best way to, to combat any false doctrine is always to read the context, amen? Always know the context of, uh, of the verses that you're looking at. Because here's what he goes on to say in verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We work out what God has already working in. So this transformation is already worked in us by Christ's presence and needs to be brought out so that it might be manifested to others. Our lives are to be a manifestation of the glory of God. What, is your, what are your motives tonight? That's always a good question. There's a lot of people that conform. I think sometimes we can even conform. We can even know, we we can see what it's supposed to be, see what's expected of us and say, okay, I guess that's what I'll be. But God doesn't want us to conform. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to get it. He wants it from the inside working out. He doesn't want there to just be this little plateau that we set to say, okay, let's get up here. And once we get to this place, we're all good, we're spiritual, we're it. Like the Pharisees did. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to look at Christ, amen, changed into the image of Christ. Amen? And when we compare ourselves to Christ, then all of a sudden maybe we aren't so spiritual after all. Amen? I mean, the, but, but we, we, oftentimes we set this ceiling and then people are conformed to hit this ceiling when all reality God wants us to go even higher. Amen. Now, so renewing means transformation. Uh, so uh, it's a gradual conforming, a restoration of the mind activates the will which produces action. The mind transformed, then will be, make a difference in our actions to the mind. In other words, 
To change our actions, we've got to change our thinking. We've got to change our thinking. Uh, it, it's kind of like this. What you think, why thinking, why your mind is so important is because of this. What you think it basically affects the way you feel. What you think affects the way you feel. Your thoughts affect your emotions. Your emotions affect what you do. So the, what we think affects how we feel. How we feel affects what we do. We need to learn to think about things the right way. You know what the Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 5? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, renovation. Now, if you would, uh, to, to close out the message tonight, I'd like to go over to 2 Corinthians, to the book of 2 Corinthians, and please turn there with me if you would. I'd like you to see these verses. I'd like you maybe to mark and underline them if you, had, if you don't have them marked yet. Renovation. What does he say there? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, uh, that you, uh, bese I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here in 2 Corinthians, it's going to talk a little bit about that renewing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I just want to look at verses 4 and 5. Here's what the Bible says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, re re renewal... But the renewing of our mind, it literally carries the idea of renovation. See, we have things built up in our minds. We have mental models in our thinking that need to be torn down. We have thinking that needs to be corrected. You say, well, I'm saved. I don't need that. But it, apparently you do. Amen. Because the Bible's already talking to people that are saved and says you need to be transformed and the way you're going to be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. And he's telling us here that we need to learn down to tear down strongholds. See, renovation has to do with being a hearer of the word of God. That pulling down there literally means to take down, to tear down walls and buildings. What are we tearing down? Strongholds. So even though you're here tonight and you're saved by the grace of God, you may have strongholds in your mind. Fortresses. It's, he says warfare. So literally, you know what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, I think it's 427, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil ground. But you know what? For many of us, we've given the devil ground. And he's built fortifications in our mind. Some of those fortifications, they can go something like this. There may be some of you tonight that you feel like an absolute failure and a loser. You feel ugly, you feel like a reject, you feel like all these things. Well, let me tell you something tonight. Those are some strongholds that need to be tore down. Because what the, the Bible says that these thoughts, that anything that ex exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ needs to be tore down. What's the knowledge of Christ? The knowledge of Christ is, if you're saved, I'm looking at some people tonight that are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, I just can't ever get it right. 
I've tried it and it just must not be for me. I'm not like the rest of these people around here that seem to be able to live the Christian life and it's easy for them. I struggle. It must just not be for me. Let me tell you something, buddy. We all struggle, amen? We all have our troubles. But I'm telling you, it's by the grace of Almighty God because it's not about your strength. It's not about you. It's about your God, amen? We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, I feel so alone. I feel so forsaken. I feel like God's a million miles away. You may feel that way. But you know what the Bible says? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that he says that we need to learn to bring every thought to the captivity of Christ. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, anything we hear, in other words, that's contrary to the word of God, Folks, we need to tear it down. We need to bring it to Christ. In other words, we need to learn, as, the, as, as he said there in the book of Philippians, think on these things. There's a pretty cool thing that God has made with us. Did you know that you only have the ability to think one thought at a time? You only have the ability to think one thought at a time. And so we need to learn to control, to control the influence of our mind. I mean, listen, you, sometimes you may get things crossing your mind, and if you sit and think about it long enough, you say, oh my gosh, how, how'd that get in my mind? That's so terrible. Oh my goodness, what have you been watching? What have you been listening to? Who have you been hanging around? So we need to learn to define the influences of our mind. We need to be careful and say, you know what, this is not good, amen? I want to tell you something else about some of you worry warts. Uh, maybe turn the news off. Turn, turn the news off. I'm not saying don't stay informed, but when you're getting worked up over stuff you have no control over, when you're worried, because you know worry falls, I mean, what is it? More than nine out of 10 things, I'll say 90 out of 100 things that we worry about fall into about three categories, I believe. Things that we can do nothing about, Get really worked up over Washington, D.C. What can you do about it? You can vote. You can call your congressman. You can run for office. But blowing up at the TV and throwing stuff at the TV, amen, I mean, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't help. You know, so we react. We, it doesn't help. So, so we worry about things that we have no control over. We worry about things that never happened. I wish sometime, I wish we could just write down everything we ever worried about and see how much of it never even happened. Or just flat out aren't legitimate matters of concern. I mean, we, we need to learn that, that not to worry. If you're a worrier, I mean, number one, def define the influence. If, if you're struggling with temptation, you know what? There is nothing wrong if you're struggling with temptation, if you're struggling with your clicks, and where you're going on your phone or on your computer, if you really want some help, there's nothing wrong with getting some software and saying, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to crack this down. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to get a filter on this thing. If you really want help, watch where you go. Listen, he that would avoid falling will avoid slippery places. We go walking in slippery places and then we wonder why we fall. Stay out of the slippery places for goodness sake. Uh, so, so the strongholds, if we do not learn to control our minds, our minds will be out of control, our lives will be out of control. We will be defeated. 
We will not be victorious. We will not be the men that God has destined for us to be. We will not be the women. We will not be the children that God would have us to be. We can't do any of that without the power of God and without having the right mind. So what does he say? Define its influence. I like what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope for the end, for the grace of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your minds. Girding up the loins is something they would do in the Old Testament where they would, uh, they would in the New Testament as well, in, in, in ancient days, and they, where they would wear their long robes. But if they were working or if they were running, they would take those, those long skirts and those long uh, robes and they would sometimes they'd wrap them around their legs and they would tuck them into their girdles, tuck them into their belts so that they wouldn't get hindered, so they didn't get tripped up See, a lot of us are getting tripped up because our minds aren't wrapped up, our thoughts aren't wrapped up nice and tight. And tucked in, what's the Bible say? I mean, listen, the, the belt, amen, the belt of truth. I mean, tucking in to that, tucking into God's word. You, we, need to learn, we need to be in God's word, number one. I mean, if not, you're in big trouble. Because the more you're in God's word, the more you're listening to good, solid preaching and reading good, solid books and so forth, the more you can learn the word of God and the more you will have to combat your thinking. And when your thinking starts going awry, you can say, wait a second, does this glorify God or not? Is this scriptural or not? And if it's not, I back up and say, you know what? This verse says, I, I may feel one way, but how many of you know the Christian life isn't about feeling? Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Get in the word, folks. I mean, listen, if you invest about 20 minutes of your day in the word of God, you could read through the Bible in a year. You could have your life transformed. Get into the word of God. It'll change your life. Uh, it, it reminds me years ago that uh, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that he made the statement that uh, you know he, he was dealing with a young person that was struggling with temptation and, and, and they would talk about these thoughts any of you, I, I wonder if even tonight I wonder if tonight if we could just turn these screens back on and your thoughts just what you've thought since you've been in church tonight could be put right up here on the screen I wonder how that would be because you know what? It's a crazy thing to think about. But I talked earlier about some of the things we think is because of the things that we watch and the things. Listen, we can have strongholds that are in our minds from years ago. We can have stuff, we can have stuff from childhood way before we were ever saved. Well, didn't that go away when you got saved? No, it didn't get to go away. It's still built up in your mind. That's why the Bible says you need to be transformed. You need to renew your mind. You need to tear that old stuff out and put new stuff in. That's why the Bible says we need to do that. I mean, listen, you, you get these thoughts, but, but Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said, he, said, he said, these thoughts are like birds flying over our heads. We cannot stop these thoughts from coming into our head. Anybody in here ever ashamed of what you thought? I sure am. But you know what? I, but it's like a bird flying over my head. I can't keep, there's some of these thoughts we can't keep from coming into our heads. But you know what we can help, Charles Spurgeon said? You can, help, you can keep that bird from making a nest in your hair. All right? Oh, I'm such an awful person. You'd never believe what I thought. Well, quit thinking it. Amen? Think on these things, he says. 
Get a grip. Get a grasp. Amen. Be transformed. What we, what we think, what we think, most often influenced by what we see and hear. They, it comes through the eye gate, it comes through the ear gate. We must not leave the door open. It's like your mouth. You must be careful what you put in it, amen? And we need to be real careful what we put into our ears and our eyes. And by the way, it's a mark of immaturity. Anybody in here have kids? I bet there's some kids in here right now that you're like, get that out of your mouth. What do you put that in your mouth for? But I'm telling you, it's a mark of spiritual immaturity, some of the things that we put into our ears and some of the things that we put into our eyes. And God is saying, what are you doing? Get that out of your mouth. What are you thinking? So he says, to the pulling down of strongholds, pulling. The devil wants us to, to, to defeat us by our thinking. He wants to make us quit in our minds. There might be people here tonight that's quit. There might be somebody here tonight that's going through the motions. You're still doing it because it's expected of you. But it's not real to you right now. Your relationship with Christ, that fire, that passion, that closeness isn't there. You know what? Just get control of your mind. You're not a loser. You're a winner. Amen? You're a conqueror. I mean, through, through Him that loved us. I mean, just think about the power that resides within you. See, some of us beat ourselves up. Now, I wonder how many of you here tonight, when you got saved, your old nature got saved. Anybody? Don't say yeah. Don't raise your hand, please. Anybody? Why do we act like that? Why, why, brother? Why do we try to do that? Why do we try to act like our old nature got saved? Our old nature didn't get saved. I'm looking at a bunch of people tonight, and you're looking up here at a preacher that my old nature is just as wicked as it ever was. What are we thinking? Read the Bible. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? My old man. You know what he said? We don't reform the old man. We don't clean up the old man. We don't shine up the old man. He said we kill the old man. Some of us can get, some of us, the reason we're so stinking proud and haughty is because we think we got the old man so cleaned up. And we don't realize that we're so full of stinking pride because we've done better. Your old man is wicked, folks, is what I'm trying to tell you. Your old nature is wicked. It's not any better today than it ever, than it ever was. But God's given us a new nature, amen? And your old man is wicked, but the new man, amen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's where victory's at. We die to the old man. Some of you feel like failure because you struggle with the old man. Well, Paul struggled with the old man. Amen? Right? I mean, I mean, there, there's some people looking at me like a calf, looking at a new gate. Like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? No, seriously. It's like uh, the, the old man. Okay, so, so pulling down. The devil wants us to feed us in our thinking. Uh, casting down. Pulling down, casting down. Evil thoughts. Also, go through our minds at random. Vile, angry, discouraging thoughts seemingly come from nowhere. He says to bring them into captivity. And again, these are all war. This is war terminology. Captives in war. Negative thoughts are enemy combatants. Negative thoughts are enemy combatants infiltrating your mind in order to negatively affect your personal life. Our walk with Christ, our thought life, as, as these, these enemy thoughts are trying to come in to torture you with regret from the past. 
failure in the present and fear of the future. If tonight you are being tortured with regret from the past, failure in the present, or fear of the future, let me tell you something tonight. There's been some enemy infiltrates that's got into your mind and into your life. And let me, the good news is, you can be rescued tonight. You can get some help tonight if you'll just come to the great physician. Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, everything that matters most is at stake. This church is at stake. Everything's at stake dependent on our minds. And as we stand this evening to be dismissed, let's all stand please. As a, a pianist would come please. There's an interesting phenomenon in human psychology that was discovered a number of years ago. It was named in 1973. There was a botched bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. Four employees were held hostage in the bank's vault for six days. During the standoff, a seemingly incourageous bond developed between the captive and the captor. Many of you know what I'm talking about. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. Where people being held captive de develop a certain dependency and a certain comfort with their captors. Now I say that to say this. I remember, many of you remember the missionary couple that was kidnapped down in the Philippines years ago and drug all through the jungles and everything for all this time. And uh, the army would be coming after their kidnappers and it got to the point to where those two missionaries were pulling for their kidnappers to be able to escape this army. Crazy, right? But you know what happens to us? The preacher stands up, preaches a message, and he's trying to come and say, hey, you can be delivered! You can defeat that worry. Oh, no, preacher, mama was a worrier. Grandma was a worrier. And I'm just a worrier. It's just in our family. Yes, it is. Amen. Yes, that sin is in your family. But you can get victory over it. Amen. Hey, quit defending your captor. Quit being defensive when we bring up, hey, man, watch what you're looking at. Be careful. Be accountable. Amen? What's he, what's he getting on that again for? Because we're trying to rescue you. Amen? You, you ladies can start playing. And I, I, I want to give you a, a cool testimony years ago. And I, with Molly here, she'll remember a dear lady in our church back in Pierre. And her name was uh, Virginia Crawl. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. Virginia was in her 70s. She was in her uh, early to mid 70s. And I preached this message. And, and, and along the lines of this message, or, you know, I preached these verses, this truth. I talked about unforgiveness. Now you want to get some people defensive. You want to get some people defending their captors. That, I hate to say it, but I would think in a room, in, in a church this size, with a congregation this size tonight, there's some people that would openly, up in my face, tell me why they're not going to forgive somebody. Now you forgive me for that, but, I, but been around as long as I've been, I want to tell you something. I'm amazed at how unashamed unashamedly Christians can say, I'm not going to forgive that person. I, you don't know what they did to me. Virginia's mom was verbally abusive. Said a lot of mean things to her that she remembered all through her life. 
did some things, said some things. Couldn't stand her mom. Held bitterness in her heart against her mom. Now here she is in her mid-70s. And you know what she said? Leaving on a Sunday evening at the back door, she said, Pastor, I want to thank you because tonight, tonight, I was given freedom from that. I forgave my mom. Ain't that something? Now she had been saved, you know, a number of years. But being saved doesn't take that away. He says we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. I don't know where you stand here tonight, but I just want to encourage you. Be transformed. Hey, tear some things out that may need to be tore out. Let God have the victory. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.